Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today's guest is someone I've had on my Wonder Women in po uh, Business podcast before. Uh, she's also a good friend, and she um, has great shares, great advice, and knows what she's talking about. So I thought I would invite her back um, in this time of crisis to talk a little bit more, or maybe a lot more, about the things that she does best, and that is helping people to cope, cope, stay calm, um, and you know, get through this time of crisis in, in, in the coronavirus day. So welcome, Renee Branson, to the Thank show. You. Thank you yeah. so much. It's so good to be back with you. You always have such good stuff to say and to share, and I think that um, having not just your written words, those are helpful, but having you here to share your tone of voice, the pace, I mean, of course, this is my background in arena. I love this stuff, but the pace at which you speak, your tone of voice, um, very soothing, very calming. So I'm glad to have you back on the show to talk about this really scary thing in a not so scary way. Right. And I, I like the fact that you, um, you named the feeling right off the bat and, and I, it, this is scary. And I think by being able to say that, what, however that feels for each of us in our own minds and bodies, it might be different. But I think even just being able to come right out and say, this is scary, uh, I think helps to, um, helps to create some sense of, of calm, even being able to name that emotion. Sure, sure. Um, for me, um, the thing that, that, I would say bothers me or um, concerns me. I'm not overly worried because I've worked from home for two years now, but I think for a lot of people, the loss of structure and support systems, um, routine, um, they, they, they are not yet adapted to this new way of life. And, and no one is naive enough to think we're going to go back to the way it was. There'll never be uh, business as usual. There will be a new normal. Um, right. But I think you can help us with things like the need for coping mechanisms and how to handle social isolation or even the onslaught of fact-based information, which I'm guilty of. I, I put that out there all the time. And sometimes it, it really is, you know, people have to turn that off, turn the news off, turn the, the facts off, turn the science off. But that's dangerous, in my opinion. How, how do you, you know, how do you think we should handle processing all this information? I think that it is really important for us to be a, a wise consumer of our information. It's, you're absolutely right that it's not helpful and even dangerous if we stick our head in the sand and we aren't really looking at things in a fact-based way that helps us stay informed and safe. And I also think that like with any pendulum, we can become so, um, uh, like watching an accident engrossed. Right? Yeah. engrossed in it and overwhelmed and consumed by it, it smothers out everything else in our, our ability to, you know, kind of catch our breath around it. So one of the things I, and, and it's tricky, you know, so one of the things I say is carve out some time in your day if you are someone who feels drawn to wanting to stay minute by minute up to date, still carve out some time to shut it down, to walk away, and to give your brain time to rest, 
catch up um, and and just desaturate from all of the all of the influx of of stimulus. And what that does is that really kind of helps you process the good information anyway. Because if we don't, we get something called amygdala hijacking, right? That's when our rational thinking minds become flooded with adrenaline from our fight or flight lizard brains. And we might be still consuming lots of information, but how we're actually able to process that information starts to um, starts to not work as well. So taking information, pausing, stepping back, um, processing that information, and then re-engaging is really, I think, the best way that we can stay informed and take care of ourselves emotionally as well. So what a great way of saying strike a balance and to sit mm-hmm. with the facts before um, you, you know, get concerned or anxious or, or you don't want the facts to become your enemy or your adversary. So um, even good things like wine and chocolate must be in moderation. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Said no one ever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, you're so right. Um, again, not only what you're saying is so important, but how you say it is so calming. I have a t- I'm so overly enthusiastic and I have a tendency to be like, you know, blah, 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 the speed of Susan is not for everyone, but Renee, you're very calming and the words that you share are wise. So I, I'm so glad to have you here today. So let me ask you this question. Um, what are some of the common reactions people exhibit during the crisis or during a crisis right. and acute stress? So I think I, there are there's a tendency for all of us when we are under um, under acute stress or we're experiencing a crisis that our our natural selves become very concentrated and you've actually already spoken to this for your own self you know that you are someone who feels better when you have all of the information in front of you because it helps you maintain some sense of of control um, and 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 I don't want to use the word normalcy but some sense of um, you can use sense. that for me that is how, and it might yeah. be for that right that it makes you feel more in control yeah. so so that will so since that is kind of your natural kind of baseline of of how you respond to stress that's going to become even more heightened the same thing for someone who uses humor to relieve and and, and kind of ameliorate kind of stressful yeah. situations that's going to become more heightened and all of that is normal and good and okay here's one of the things though i want to to say to that is that when we are all heightened to our most concentrated personalities that sometimes can be with one another like oil and water right someone who deals with their emotions in a way that is is humorous and wanting and needing levity with someone who might need um structure or control or whatever that might be that that might feel for one person it might feel humor might feel flippant or for the per, the other person it might feel someone's seriousness is is too intense and so i think that for all of us then we need to go back to and remember our you know i just call it just kind of remember our grace right and give 
each other grace and space and to ourselves too. And I think we all can, can fall into multiple parts of those categories. I know sometimes for me on any given day, it's like, okay, what's, you know, what, what part of Renee's personality is going to bubble to the surface today? Am I feeling particularly <laughs> angry today? Poor Tim. <laughs> or, yeah, right. Um, or, or uh, do I just need a day to just kind of be um, absurd and, and kind of laugh about things? So, yeah. you know, it's not just a, it's a, not just all of one thing. So what I hear you saying is, um, first, we must keep it real for ourselves. But remember, in doing so, um, real means, again, balance, another, another example of balance, you know, so for using me as the example, let's say, and my husband is like I am in that way, too. He is all about the, the data and the fact. So I can tell a compelling story and be quite emotional. As you well know, I'm a very good storyteller. Um, but it's always going to be backed with data or founded on maybe because I'm so used to the gotcha in the legal world or um, I was raised by a scientist um, and I'm used to, you know, the medical field and the terminology and the, you know, what these codes mean. And my husband is also a data nerd. So we can get really intense. In fact, I'm sure so many are glad that we are relegated to stay at home <laughs> because we can probably onslaught with our um, nerd nerdiness, if you will. Right. Um, and then, you know, some of the things we think are funny are really dark. A lot right. of people don't appreciate that. And so it's that time to maybe zip our lip, you know, um, when it comes to that kind of thing, but you hit the nail on the head, even within ourselves, we need to find the various pieces and parts of who we are and, you know, uh, level out if you will. Right. right. And I think some of us or all of us, quite, quite frankly, in, in one way or the other will experience a response to this that we might not always be able to immediately pinpoint, Oh, this is, this is this pandemic stress showing up in my life. So we might have a day where we feel okay, but gosh, we still have trouble sleeping through the night or man, my appetite's been off. Either I'm eating everything in sight um, or I have no hunger, you know, at dinner time at all. Even if it is not immediately in our minds connected to the stress that we're under, when we notice these things, just be aware of it. See, this is how it, it shows up in, in different in different forms. And give yourself some some space around that and and some self-compassion around how it might show up in, in tricky ways. So I think that's a very, very, very important point because a lot of people are experiencing things they haven't yet even recognized. Um, and maybe they are experiencing something they've recognized and don't know why. Um, or maybe they're, you know, like I am, you know, I, I don't really like this is this crisis to me is terrible. Um, but it doesn't invoke a sense of, um, despondency or, you know, hopelessness or it just is what it is for me. But some of my good friends are seriously depressed and sad about this or are um, changing behaviors, not consciously, much of what you just said, and don't know how to, um, like one of my good friends in New York was up at 2 or 3 a.m. her time and uh, writing to me. And of course, I was up because I'm out in California. Um, 
but she couldn't figure out why she couldn't sleep. And, and she's a fact-driven woman as well. And she's all about the data. She's a tech person. Um, and I bet you, um, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a, a therapist as you are, but I bet you it has something to do with her angst, underlying angst over this crisis. She's sure. in New York City, which is like exponentially worse than anywhere else in the nation when it comes to coronavirus. That's right. Yeah, because our minds are constantly running in the background. And and so it's harder to, particularly in, in times like this, it's harder to turn that off. I also think, Susan, this is something I was just thinking about this morning, that even though I've I've been through, you know, several, you know, kind of walking through several different crisis situations with with different people and in different situations, this one is unique in that for all of us, not only in our individual communities, but globally, we are experiencing this both as primary and secondary stress and even trauma. So what I mean by that is that we are both ones who are needing care and we are being asked at, to be the caregivers for yeah. our families, for our friends. And so there's this, this duality that we have to be both, that we need both. We need to be the helped and the helper. And that is, is, it, is its own, I think, unique stress. I think even in times of whether it's because of a natural disaster or a terrorist attack, we can look out beyond the perimeters of that event and say, there are people on the outside of that who haven't experienced it and they can come in and, and, and help me and help this. Or if, or if we're on the ones on the outside, I can go in. I'm not the one who's the primary, who's experiencing that primary trauma. I can go in. But in this case, it's touching all of us, some of us even more uh, closely than others at this point, but we're still in the early days. But we're experiencing both of those, both primary and secondary um, stress, if not outright trauma. You know, it's, a, uh, it's funny that you say that. Funny, not haha, funny, um, just interesting. Because um, yesterday I posted, I really feel for the teachers who are, um, one, you know, trying to teach their classes online, may or may not have the support, the services, the products or apps or software, um, but two, also have their own kids at home who are trying to learn online. What a stressor for teachers who have to be moms, dads, and teachers, as well as uh, have their, you know, at the same time, like working, right. you know, I feel for them. Um, I've offered to adopt a teacher, like my circle here in California, I have a, a mentor circle of women in business in Silicon Valley. I, I lead this mentor circle and I've all asked them, would you each adopt a teacher? And for me, that means something maybe different than what it means for someone else. But to alleviate some of that, what you just said, being the caregiver and worrying about your own self as well the teachers have not only their own children, but their students, as well as their own health and well-being. So adopt a teacher for me would mean, you know, helping with a lesson plan or helping to provide my technology that I have available on my system to her, give her my, you know, access as a user so that right. she can teach her class, et cetera. But yeah, that's huge. And another thing that's different 
in about coronavirus that really pisses me off is um, this time, you know, it, it's one thing if you want to, you know, go jump off a mountain and hurt yourself, you're not hurting me by making that poor choice. But if you're going to go to a mega church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and you're going to, you know, show no symptoms, then you're going to head on over to Walmart and infect everybody else. I mean, this is, this is really making me so angry. I don't even know how to manage this anger. Cause I'm just like, you can't fix stupid. And these people are thinking this is a hoax. I didn't mean to bring any politics into this and I, I want to veer away from that, but this happens to be um, a hot topic right now because I see it happening. And those fools are hurting people I know and love in that area who are following orders to stay home and stay away. And when they do go to the grocery store, how do you, I mean, how do I, okay. I didn't think I was going to be a patient of yours, but let's, let's just say, how do I ease my own anxiety or other people in my network's anxiety when it comes to those people and their stupid, stupid, selfish decisions. Right. So I think there are two pieces to that. I think that number one, give yourself the permission. And and when I say you, I mean, to anyone who's feeling this to, to feel however you feel about it. That is very valid. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel it as well. And the, and I, I go through some kind of some steps of when I'm feeling a difficult emotion that I don't know what to do with it. Um, I go through this practice of, of acceptance, which sounds a lot easier than it is like, oh, I'll just accept being pissed off or angry, you know, but, but so it is a process. It's kind of a meditative for me anyway, a meditative mindfulness practice, a very intentional choice of how I how I, I work through that, which I'm happy to share. But I think also it's really helpful to me to think about what I can control and what I cannot control. Yeah. What I can control, what I can't. And, and it is so frustrating, right? That we can't control that. We cannot control those people who are making poor decisions, not only for themselves and for their family members, but for their communities and their country at large. But it is something that I can't, I, I can't expend too much energy on because what that does is that saps and drains my energy from controlling the things I can control. That's a great way to look at it. Um, right. I, so, I often, yeah. you know, I often say control what you can and let the rest roll away, but you're taking it an extra step and reminding me that if I don't do that on those occasions when I slip up, if I don't do that, I'm hurting my ability to do that going forward. Right. And, and so I think, so the way it played out for, for me, one, I'll share one example is that um, early on um, my parents who are elderly and in Florida uh, went to church. So, um, which I was very upset about, you know, I had asked them not to go and, and afterwards, I thought, okay, I'm angry and I'm angry about it in this big kind of global way. Like I'm mad at every single church that's doing this. I'm, and so I thought, okay, what can, what can I control? What can't I control? What can I at least try to influence in a, in a positive way? So I had some more conversations with my parents. Um, they really kind of got it. Fortunately, I know some, some folks aren't, but you know, they got it and they were like, you know what, Renee, that's, 
we need to be smarter about that. And I also reached out respectfully and with love to the church and said, my, there you go. You know, and I said, my parents are love this community of like-minded people. And I know that you care and love about your congregation and the best way to love them right now is to protect them. Now they, in the following week, they, they canceled and, and, and are no longer doing live, um, services. They broadcast now on, on the web. I'm not saying I had any, um, influence yes, on that, but <laughs> I, but you know what? It, it allowed me to feel like Renee, you've done what you can do and now I can let it go. Whether they continued, whether they, at least I was able to say, here's what I can do. And here's what I have to let go of. I have to kind of have some some well renee i have lists of pastors in louisiana that you need to call (laughs) (laughs) okay um seriously the guy um that i was referring to earlier is in central louisiana which is not central as in um you know the middle of the state but it's a place called central and it's part of east Baton parish he got just a slap on the wrist this man should be in jail but he got a slap on the wrist for six times disobeying the governor's orders and that night that he got the public you know slap on the wrist and it was in the news he still held a service so um this is about money for him um because you know it's the kind of church where there's an atm you go in you go out right that's that's an exaggeration folks but seriously it is about the money and you know, if you want to go subject yourself to that and you want to, you know, share this virus with others because, you know, it lives in the air um, for at least three hours. It lives on surfaces for three days. So if you want to go do that, that's fine. But when you leave there and you go hang out with um, people with higher intellect, you're getting them sick too. And that's just where I just get so angry. But in this country where we have so many freedoms, you can't um, chain people to their homes, you know? So I get that. I mean, that whole bull about people from New York aren't welcomed in Florida and they can't come or Trump saying, we're going to quarantine New York. That's BS. It's unconstitutional. It's not legal. It will not happen. That's just, but people who don't know the law or the constitution Um, and believe everything he says are like, yeah, we're safe. You know, this disease doesn't recognize the state line and stop and take its picture at the sign saying, welcome to Florida. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I, you can tell I have a little anxiety and, and anger. I'll just be honest. It's anger Mm -hmm. about this. Um, so I'm just going to sit with it. Like you said today, and then I'll engage in the practices that you said you'd mentioned the practices that you engage with. Um, that might be meditative or helpful, you know, mindful, mindfulness. Right. Tell us more about those tools. Well, so one of the things is this, it, this practice of, of acceptance. And it was something that I was, it was a part of my practice the day before yesterday. I try most mornings, if not all, to, to give myself some, some mindfulness meditation at the start of every day. And um, Monday, mine was on just the concept of accepting things as they are. And so I finished my short meditation and I was feeling very grounded and, and settled and almost even kind of patting myself on the back, like, oh, good job, Renee, you're handling this so well. And then the governor of our state announced that, that um, our mandatory stay-at-home orders would last through June 10th. And 
of course, I, I agree with him and we've already been practicing stay at home for more than, than two weeks, just on a, you know, on a voluntary basis, but something about that date, uh, it was just like a, a tsunami wave, right. Of, of reality that, that hit me, that, that kind of unmoored me from my, um, from my Harbor. And my immediate reaction was like this toddler reaction of no, you know, it's a temper tantrum. I don't want this. I don't want any of this. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> you know, it's unacceptable. I can't do this. I felt my muscles tighten up as if I was getting ready to literally push something away. And I realized that, that my rejection of the present couldn't change the reality of the present, no matter how much I temper tantrumed. The only thing that my rejection of the present was doing, the only thing my resistance was doing was amplifying my suffering. It was turning up the volume on what was already difficult. And so as my energy kind of narrowed around that that no, that temper tantrum response that I was having, I was less able to be um, expansive and compassionate both with myself and with others or creative around seeing, okay, what is it that is still within my control? And so I was learning that in the moment that acceptance was not exactly about surrender, certainly not, certainly not about surrendering any kind of self-efficacy. Accepting the current situation isn't about um, asking us to lie down and give up. Acceptance to the experience and even to the emotion that we're feeling around the experience is just saying, this is just where you are right now. And if you can embrace the present with honesty and compassion, both compassion for others and self-compassion, then in that space, we can find a new way to, to live with this and even thrive in certain moments of it. And I got to be honest, I'm not there yet at all. I kind of go in and out of like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. And then uh, some other new piece of information or new fear will creep up into my mind. And the you know, the way I described it is kind of the edges of the picture of what I thought I could make this look like um, will, will blur again. And, and I'm, I kind of have to take two steps back, but that's okay. This is really hard. I, I try to allow myself to feel that resistance in my body, um, recognize that resistance is an attempt to, for my body to protect me you know, resistance is, is, a, is an attempt at protection. Yeah, a different self-defense mechanism. Right. Yeah. And so the ability to say, okay, this is what it's trying to do, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give resistance permission to, to, to go away. Like, thank you. You've tried to serve me well. I don't need you right now. And then invite that acceptance into, into that space um, and, and to gather some, some calm. And so that is, that's kind of that, that practice that I try to think about. And it's constantly an in and out to, it's not like we get there, like, oh, right. I accepted this. It's a, it's a yes. And it's a, it's a ebb and flow and that's okay. Just like with any, honestly, any meditation practice or mindfulness practice, you know, we often say, 
when we're in the midst of, of mind, a mindfulness practice, people think that we're supposed to completely clear our minds and think about nothing. And then they get frustrated because their thoughts seem to scatter and, 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 and jump from one thing to the other. That happens naturally. And so mindfulness isn't about fighting against that. It's acknowledging that that happens and bringing yourself back into the present. Acceptance is the same way. I've got to bring myself back to acceptance, understanding that I'll resist it again at some point. I think it's so important. And I, I want to thank you for being honest. I think it's so important that you share that it comes and goes. It's not, um, you know, it's not a... Um, an accomplishment. It's a journey, a constant journey. And I'm, I'm grateful to you for sharing that you too um, have moments where you need to, you know, change your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have found that, you know, groupthink is my trigger. So I'm a very loving and kind and compassionate person. And I try to prevent problems and then help people find, you know, solutions to their problems. But I'll tell you, I have a very short, um, I don't know, my, my toolkit is empty when it comes to ignorant people. And that's a bias. That's not nice. That's, um, you know, as much as I combat bias in my real life, the way we know bias is, has nothing to do with smart versus stupid. And I have become that person who is just so, and I think it's because of the COVID-19. I mean, being stupid was one thing. You can just stay away from people who are ignorant. They're going to make choices you don't like. So just walk away, look away. This time they're killing other people. So I'm having a harder time staying in the place that you just advised and yeah. sitting with that and saying, thank you. Um, you know, self-defense mechanism, you know, anger, all those things that crop up and then need to go away if you're healthy. Um, I'm having a harder time making, you know, yeah making nice with those people. And I know some of those people, I mean, I see things on social media that I'm like, did he just say that? Oh my gosh. You know, um, right. I, it, anyway, um, we can't fix the world, uh, in the future and we, but we can just take today, sit with now and process, like you said, um, process, you know, not just what's going on in the world, but more importantly, what's going on in our minds and hearts, heads and right. hearts. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, what is the best, let's take this. We've, we've talked a little bit about a personal, you know, personal development and how to cope and remain calm, or if not remain calm in those moments when you're not to, to act with gratitude for those moments and then move beyond them. But let's take this to a professional place. Let's take, take this to, um, you know, let's say I am a leader and I, in fact, a lot of people have been writing me about this. Susan, can you help me? How do I manage my team from afar in this new virtual age, um, you know, of doing business? How can I ensure my team's emotional well-being? Right. So I think this gives us a, this is one of the silver lining moments, I think, of this situation. Because I think as a leader, whether you're leading an entire organization or whether you're leading a, um, a smaller team, however leadership shows up in your life, I think it's important that we always attend to our team's well-being because it just makes us better 
the team better at what they do. It creates that psychological safety that is the number one key indicator of being high performing. So this gives a great opportunity, but for, but for a lot of people, this is, this is new, right? Not to say that they're, they were, you know, cold hearted and, and distant or, you know, but, but it, but I think for some leaders and in the environments of some teams, caring for their team's well-being wasn't something maybe on, on a priority list. And so yeah, they're having to learn some in, new skills. Exactly. Especially in the industries that focus on uh, the work of the thinker or those who are um, ISTJs or, you know, lawyers, doctors, CPAs, engineers. That's uh, right. Yeah. They're not usually, you know, leading with empathy, <laughs> let's say. Yeah. And so I would say that I've got a, a kind of just a few tips here. So one of the things is set a, set a time and some parameters with, with your team for a check-in. That's all, that's good for everybody, but especially for people who maybe don't feel as comfortable talking about what they would consider kind of the softer things or talking about emotions to say, okay, I know I'm, I'm going to set aside just, you know, a certain amount of time. So it gives me some sense of control. Like, okay, I can do this for 10 minutes. Um, and whether it's, let's say it's a 10 minute check-in at the beginning of a, of a weekly zoom meeting now that we're all working from, from home and be intentional about that and say, we're going to go around and just give a quick, quick check-in of how we're dealing with and responding to this um, emotionally. And it doesn't need to be, it's not group therapy, <laughs> um, but it really can just be, you know what, this, this last week was hard for me because, and if they want to share a because, great. If not, it's just a, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm struggling right now. And then a leader can follow up to say, is is there something that we can do to make it easier in this moment? Um, and sometimes there is, and sometimes there's not. And, and I'll, I'll give you another tip to kind of how to, how to, 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 um, to kind of suss that out. But sometimes even for the team members, not just the, the team leader, um, it's, it can be uncomfortable. And so sometimes it, making it easier to respond, almost like a pain scale when you go to the doctor and they say on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? How's the pain? Um, that's something that we can do to check in on people's emotional well-being. I care about how everyone's doing today on a scale of one to 10 being one, one being I feel calm and in control to 10 being I feel like the bottom is about to drop out. How are you feeling today in this moment? And that okay. way a person could say, you know, I'm an eight and that's all I want to say about it, but I'm an eight. And and then everyone else knows, okay, this person's struggling today. So we're going to, you know, maybe that give that person some more space or we can lean a little bit more on this other person who says, hey, you know what, today I'm doing great. And, and I think that's the key is that when you ask how they're feeling, it needs to be, how do you feel in this moment? Right. Let me ask you a question about that um, before I forget. This is very helpful. Okay. So I was going to say, Renee, when this is over, will you send me that scale that you use? Because I have I a lot of leaders who've been writing to me. And my advice is not one of a counselor. It's just one of a good leader. And that is, I always say, um, if you have it in you to share your own vulnerability and lead by example, then you will let the team feel it's safe for them to open up and do so. But I like this tool that you just shared. I would really love to share that in the blog that I'll write after our conversation is over. I will. I will send that for sure. And, uh, and I think you said something important. So I want to amplify that is that it, 
doing so um, is great, but but what you just said in terms of the leader doing it first, taking that step of vulnerability and saying truthfully how they're doing in the moment, whether that's I'm doing great or, oh my gosh, I'm barely hanging on, um, that sets the stage of creating, that's an opportunity to create trust. That's yes. those threads that are woven that, that creates the psychological safety. Uh, that's what I think Brene Brown would say is daring to lead. Absolutely. Yeah, we love her. You know, Renee, I don't know if you've ever watched Billions, but a lot of listeners have seen Billions. And if you haven't, folks, you might as well, you know, um, cue it up on Netflix because it's an amazing series. It's so fantastic. And they have, um, for those of you who are familiar, Renee reminds me of Dr. Wendy. Um, (laughs) Have you ever been told that? You You know what? I... I have been told that, although I still haven't seen it. So now oh that my I, gosh, you have so to now watch that it. I, right now that I have this um this extra time for for my Netflix binging, um, yeah. I will I will definitely check it out. You sure. have to. So as you know, um, I mean, I used to work in financial services in Boston. It was very high stress, very intense, um, and that's the world in which they operate. It's even more so than legal. Uh, high stress, high intense. T- you know, everything's really fast paced, you know, the market's changing, it's furious. And so this show is about that. And this guy hired um, Dr. Wendy Rhodes, and she's like the therapist on staff. And, um, you know, all these high, you know, the brokers and and these traders are, you know, in her office day after day. I can see you as that for lawyers. (laughs) You're like, you're like the Dr. Wendy for lawyers. Um, And for me, for me personally, y'all, I have reached out to Renee personally when uh, lawyers have driven me to the edge and law firms have put me in a rare state of PTSD. Um, Mm -hmm. I I leaned on Renee. So um, thank you so much for sharing your uh, content and your way of sharing your delivery, your style, your very, um, the cadence and the calm, um, I guess, calm, cool, collected, um, not just pace, but your tone, everything is very soothing. So you could have a radio show. You should have a radio show. Who knows? (laughs) Seriously, in this day and age, that would be perfect. Um, All right. Well, anything else that you would like to say before we share how people can reach you? Because we want people to be able to reach you if they need. Well, you know, I will just say this very quickly. I, um, I just, I know you would join me in this too. Um, want to just say a shout out to the amazing frontline responders, whatever form they take during this time, you know, our doctors and our nurses, our medical providers, but also the people who are in our grocery stores and, um, and picking up our, you know, trash. And I'm, I'm just so wowed and humbled, um, by the work that, that they are, are doing. And, um, one of the things I'm trying to kind of pivot, even though, as you know, Susan, a lot of my work, um, is, is primarily been within the legal space during this time. I'm really trying to do some some reach out to um, to medical professionals because man, they're under so much. Um, yeah, true. I, it's almost and the police, the police and fire, and the police, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so, um, any any ways I can be of support to those communities? Um, well, I'm going to personally promote you because um, I think that you know the world may stop private sector may shut down or work from home or have the tools and the money to transition to a virtual way of working. However, um, government must continue and municipalities must continue. And these people are 
you know, they have families that are now working from home and yet they still have to be uh, on the job. And I'm going to give a little shout out to our chief of police. He follows me on Facebook and often sends me private messages, you know, don't go after that guy, you Cajun ninja, you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he knows that I am a um, hot, spicy Italian Jewish woman and that I don't take any shit. So uh, he's often saying, you know, uh, leave that person alone. We'll go get them, you know, or, or don't, you know, if, if that, that looks suspicious, don't knock on their window and say, why are you parked in front of my house? Just call me. Um, he saw on Facebook that we were out of toilet paper and my husband and I are not hoarders. We know there are people who need things more than we, and they need them now. Right. Um, so we did not, um, gather all ye TP as ye may. Um, and so he saw that and during quarantine, he came over and uh, delivered us a case of toilet paper, like some of his own. It was very, very sweet. And I thought That's what awesome. a nice gesture. Um, I never thought that I'd be so happy to see toilet paper in my I know, life. Right. Who would have thought that would ever be the, you know, the great, uh, the great gift that, that we get to, to express our, our gratitude and love for our neighbors. It's, it's exactly. We have totally um, reconfigured our standards. So um, yes, thank you to the police, the fire, the people at the grocery store, the pharmacist. I mean, my goodness, you know, this is a person who is filling prescriptions for people who are sick that may or may not have COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And then he's also, um, you know, dealing with people who are asymptomatic of anything and may or may not have COVID-19. And he or she is still there, um, you know, at the pharmacy helping you know, to, to save lives and to, for those who are um, at end of life, you know, make sure they're not in pain or, you know, right. cope, cope, helping people cope with those loved ones. So thank you. You're amazing. Um, let me think if there's anything else I wanted to ask you before I let you go. Um, if I think of something, I'll put it in the blog, but I think that we have a lot of good tools and tips and tricks and coping mechanisms. Oh, I know what I did want to ask you. What's one great piece of advice or, or two um, that you can give us about those who are not like I am. I'm used to working from home, but those who are struggling with social isolation, especially those who live alone. I mean, they might be sad and lonely. What's a, a piece of advice you can give them? Well, I think kind of two things. If it, as it relates to work, if it's, if the new, this isolation is, is a new kind of, I've never worked from home before. I think on one hand having, um, and a lot of people are saying this, but, but having some routine is super important, but also flexibility within that routine. This goes back to this idea of self-compassion. Know that you're not going to be able to have a um, a fully structured day, or it's going to be difficult, or your productivity level might be off some. Um, so I would just say, give yourself some self-compassion around your ability to, to be in the same headspace as you were a month ago. So oh, that's kind of yeah. my tip for work. On that note, though, let me ask you, I, I don't think we will ever be Monday through Friday, nine to five again. I, I think things have changed mightily and and there's a lot of good from that i think that now we're starting to focus on quality of work not quantity of hours in the work day but that's right. coming from someone who gets shit done and i work from home i'm alone people think i have a team i don't it's just crazy me who's up 
24 seven doing her thing. What do you think it will look like when we go back to quote normal? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. And I think one that I have, I think there'll be a, a, point in time where I will really start to think about that. But that's one of the things where I've said, I, I've put on the back burner for myself gotcha. to say, I'm releasing this to the, to the, to the things I can't control. Right. <laughs> I, will say, I will say this. I, I, my hope is whether it's back at a, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five, or whether that changes, I hope the thing that we we grow during this time and maintain afterwards is that ability to connect with our team's well-being and mind. And because we see now how important it is and how quickly things can change, how very quickly things can change when we really need to have resilience and care and well-being, not only in our own lives, but in the people around our, you know, the lives of the people around us to fall back into, to have that safe harbor. So hopefully that's a, that's a big lesson that we take, however, whatever form it takes in our, in our work world that we still hang on to that. We will be woke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. All right. Now tell everybody how they can reach you if they need to. And folks, if you don't have a pen or pencil to write this down, no worries. I'll put it on the blog that I write after we hang up. So my website is, is easy to remember. It's just my name. It's reneebranson.blog. So Renee Branson is no, no dots or periods. It's just reneebranson.blog. And my email address is also similar. Uh, it's rb at reneebranson.blog. Easy peasy. So easy peasy. So you can you can certainly send a, an email to me directly or on my website. There's a, a contact form um, that will also get, loop me yeah. back into the back into my email. So yeah. Well, cool beans. Um, I'm famous for my dorky little saying. So um, I know oh, I love people. them. Yeah, easy peasy. Cool beans. You, you're right. you're a rock star. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I do live. Even in the bad times, I live in gratitude. So there's always yeah, something right. to learn. Thank you for being here, Renee. Thank you so much, Susan. Take care. Have as good a day as possible today, folks. Bye-bye. <laughs>